This is episode 60 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are 20 Hurricane Survival Tips from Real Life Scenarios, 9 Firearm Training Tips to Help You Survive a Deadly Encounter, and A Prepper's Nightmare. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. All right, so before we get into episode 60, I do want to remind you that Preppers University begins this Sunday. Uh, And so if you want to get, you can still get in on it. Um, And remember, there's still that coupon code TAKE10, all one word, uh, capitalized TAKE10. We'll take $10 off the registration fee. Um, but, uh, you know, not too long ago, Daisy Luther over at Organic Prepper linked to one of the, the webinars that you can kind of uh, watch a previous webinar. And so I'm going to go ahead and link to that to kind of make it easy for you. If you go to episode number 60, it's a webinar with Selka of SHTF School. And he was in Bosnia during the war and, you know, his his city was surrounded. And, I mean, that was a real... SHTF scenario they I mean they had to improvise and do all kinds of things and he talks about his experience there uh, just you know just in watching part of the webinar uh, stuff like you know there's a lack of water and sanitation um, one of the slides says you you live for a year in a city without running water where did you get water and how did you purify it what about toilet facilities laundry and bathing and so you know Listening to someone who's gone through those kinds of things and being able to explain that and talk a little bit about that and then, you know, having that uh, frame of reference for yourself just in case something happens and you are in a situation where there is minimal water, you know, how are you going to handle it? How are you going to take care of it? And hearing from someone who's just not theory but who actually had to live it, uh, I think that's important. So, like I said, I'm going to go ahead and link to... um, this uh, this webinar with Selco so give you a little taste of what you will see and uh, what you will experience. It takes a little bit to load because it's going to an Adobe Connect uh, uh, website and it's you know it'll bring it up for you so that you can go ahead and and listen to it and watch that whole. Uh, I think it's it's about an hour or a little bit over an hour, so it's a, a lot of uh, information there that you can get uh, a lot more than you would if you were like. Um, just reading an article, you know, um, so definitely there. But if you know, if you watch that and you you see the value in that, that's just a taste of it. Yeah, for Preppers University, there's so much more. The the student center, there's uh, so many um, uh, so many things that they've created for you. Other webinars, things that are that are there. I, I really challenge you to go uh, check it out. Uh, so you can go to preppersuniversity.com forward slash pw for prepper website and just kind of go and bounce around a little bit in there and see what you see and uh you know get a feel for what you're you would get i mean it's a lot of value for uh for the price so again i'm gonna i'm going to link to preppersuniversity.com forward slash pw and i'm also going to link to the uh the webinar selco's webinar from last uh preppers university I'm going to link to that on episode number 60. So go check that out and uh, you know see what you think. 
you can leave a comment in the section and if you have questions go ahead and, and you know send me a question and if I can't answer it for you from what I know about Preppers University I will hit up uh, Lisa Bedford and Daisy Luther they do a real good job of getting back to you really really quick and answering any questions about Preppers University all right so uh, with that let's go ahead and get into the podcast and get into our articles we have some good articles today um, the first one comes to us from readynutrition.com. Uh, this is Tess Pennington's site. Uh, we had Tess on the, the website, or I'm sorry, on the podcast Wednesday for the interview. Uh, if you missed that one, you want to go, go back there and check it out. It's always good to hear um, you know, people's ideas and why they started prepping and, and where they're at. And so you'll get all that information as, as well as uh, there's a little gift for you. If you go to episode, what, what would that be? That would be episode 58. A uh, little gift for you there if you didn't already go do that. So um, this is talking about hurricanes, 20, 20 hurricane survival tips from real life scenarios. Let's go ahead and start reading this. Imagine the scenario. It's the year 20 or 2005 and you are living in the heart of New Orleans a hurricane is threatening to hit, and even though the city sits eight feet below sea level, you choose not to evacuate or even prepare because you've seen many hurricanes threaten to hit the city, and it never makes landfall. So why prepare for this one? Days later, you, your great city is almost completely flooded from Hurricane Katrina, and over 1,800 lives were claimed, including some of your neighbors, because like you, they decided not to leave the city. Now you are left without electricity, water, and dwindling supplies, to make matters worse, supply trucks are cut off, the police and emergency services can't meet the needs of the people, and there are looters breaking into homes for supplies. Yes, the above scenario is a worst-case scenario, but aspects of this are very common following hurricanes. These tropical storms are, extremely, are extreme and have the capacity to cripple our entire way of life. They are erratic in nature in terms of where they land, the types of damages sustained, and if there will be disasters in the aftermath, such as waterborne diseases, bug infestations, etc. Because of the unpredictability of these disasters, some choose to be complacent and wait to get preparations in order until the storm is imminent and hours away. While some take the disaster seriously and are meticulous in making preparations each year in case this natural disaster hits. So, which group do you choose to be in? I've been very honest about my ordeals and living through a hurricane, and I learned from my mistakes. Long story short, after I went through Hurricane Ike and felt helpless and underprepared, I made it my mission to help others get their homes ready for living in an off-grid disaster. We all have life lessons to share, and I am not alone in trying to get the word out on prepping for these storms. I asked some fellow preppers in the community what advice they would offer on how to better prepare for hurricanes and the community overwhelmingly stepped up to help their fellow man. When you read this list, pay attention to recurring advice. Prepare ahead of time. This is the key to having all of your pre preparations in order. 20 Hurricane Survival Tips from Real Life Scenarios. These are all the words and, in my humble opinion, this is some very solid advice to follow. Number one. Put all of your important documents on a flash drive and put it in your bug out bag. If the time comes and you need to evacuate, you have everything all prepped and ready to go. Uh, we actually talked a little bit about that in yesterday's podcast. In um, uh, episode 59, I think is going to be the longest podcast ever. Uh, we had that 50 items to you know prepare or prepper mistakes, 50 prepper mistakes to to uh, to, uh, to talk about. Uh, well, that's what we we talked about and uh, that was one of them is to have you know information on a flash drive 
Um, number two is my mom had supplies stored in new plastic trash bins. If they needed to bug out, easy to grab and put in the back of the car. Also, the bins would be useful. They also keep things dry. Number three, keep enough cash in your bob or bug out bag for at least one to two nights in a moderately priced hotel and a few meals. A credit card with a zero or small balance would be beneficial as well. If you forget or lose your wallet, you want a backup method for paying expenses until you can return home. Number four is, well, before the back-to-back -back hurricanes of 2004 in South Florida, I bought 28 gallons of water. I am glad I did because we had enough water for the police directing traffic. There was a lot we did. Whatever you think is best for your family and communities, do it. Friends, co-workers, so many lost their homes, businesses, and more. So the things I regret not stock stocking up on are items such as diapers, toothpaste, etc. Essential for all life is key. Number five is they evacuated us several times after Hurricane Charlie for Ivan, and people got stuck on the freeway. People died and animals, etc. Ivan hit exactly where they said to evacuate to. We had six animals at, the, at that time. If I needed to squish them all in the car, we would have, but there was no gas, so glad there wasn't. Our, circumstance dict, our circumstances dictate how to respond. However, our gut instinct is always best. And let me just uh, reiterate, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but same thing happened uh, when we had Hurricane Rita. Um, you know, Hur Hurricane Katrina had just hit, and Hurricane Rita was supposed to be an even bigger storm and was supposed to hit Galveston and come right up 45 into Houston. And so, um, you know that I worked in the schools. They shut down the schools on, on that Friday to allow people to evacuate if they wanted to. And, of course, it didn't wind up hitting. But uh, in, in Rita and then also Hurricane Ike, when people were evacuating, people died uh, on the side of the road. You know, there were special needs people because there was so much traffic. People died uh, because, you know, uh, their vehicles ran out of gasoline and they couldn't make it, you know, off the freeway to get gas. And really there wasn't any gas there. Um, we had an old foster daughter who used to live with us who was living with an aunt at that time. And, uh, you know, we did talk with her and she said that they did make it out about two hours away. It took, it took forever to get there, she said. Um, but they did make it about two hours out uh, away from Houston. And uh, she said they stopped at a, a gas station and there was nothing. I mean, it had just been, you know, everything was bought and there was just, they were completely sold out. So you know that that's, that stuff is going to happen when uh, a big city is going to evacuate. Let's keep going. Number six is we keep about 30 liters of water on hand at all times. I just save empty two liter bottles. The plastic is stable for room temperature storage, unlike plastic milk jugs milk jugs and treat the water using the two to one ratio with bleach two drops to one liter of water number seven if you do not have a generator get one have at least enough power to run the washing machine and microwave a few solar cells to restore cell phone power charge batteries for radios and flashlights is a must don't forget the toilet paper and enough clean water for everyone in your family for cooking and drinking you can use pool or rainwater for other purposes often overlooked in the city is a chainsaw with fuel mix bar oil, extra chains. The bulk of damage outside the home is fallen trees. I was blocked in my cul-de-sac for over a week by fallen oak trees from my neighbor's yard. And we had the same thing happen in our uh, neighborhood for during Hurricane Ike. Our neighbor's uh, big tree fell and thank goodness it didn't fall on homes. It fell out towards the street. But um, my neighbor's, uh, she was an, an older lady, 
Um, and there, I guess there's a story I can tell about that. I'll talk about that one a little bit later on. But uh, her son came over with a chainsaw and was able to, um, you know, cut up a lot of the trees so people could get around and, and clean up the, the yard a little bit. But uh, that was a pretty, uh, you know, that, that was uh, a pretty important tool to have, that chainsaw, because he wouldn't have been able to do it without it. Um, number eight, those little solar lights that go in a garden or along your driveway come in handy to give you some light without candles or lanterns. I charge them up during the day and stick in a flower pot half filled with rocks. It's not a lot of light, but enough that you can see basically what you are doing. Number nine, using my daughter's experience from South or SC, I guess that's South Carolina. Uh, the last time in her area, her biggest problem was a lack of utilities because of downed trees and flooding. She had food, but no way to cook it. She had three daughters and no way to bathe them. No light and so on. It was the simple everyday things that made it hard. And man, you, you, know, you, you hear things like that and simple preps would completely made a big difference there in that situation right there. Uh, if, if you are, so let me just say this. Um, Hurricane Ike was pre-prepper website for me and really before preparedness. Um, and I think Tess has talked about that before as well. Um, we had a we had a, a little girl across the street, a single mom, um, and you know I didn't think about it beforehand, but she had a a little daughter. And after the storm, after everything had passed, you know I sent my son over to go check on her, and uh, she was you know she said it was scary because the wind was blew really hard, and like I said, trees were falling and everything. I never asked her to come over and uh, you know stay with us just to, to feel a little bit better to feel like you're around people because although the lights had gone off i mean we were up uh we had turned down the ac really cold so that it would cool off the house and then the lights go out but we had lights and we had radios and we had all that kind of stuff and again it was pre-prepper website but we had that that kind of stuff to be able to uh, stay in touch with the with uh, what was going on so uh, if you're out there in those kinds of situations and you know of like single moms or elderly people, you might want to, uh, you know, ask them to come stay with you or, you know, definitely you want to check on. Uh, we talked a little bit about radios yesterday and maybe having a couple of extra radios that you could give them if they don't want to leave their home. Because a lot of times people don't want to leave, but giving them a radio and saying, hey, all right, so I'm giving you this radio, keep it on this channel, keep it on, and I'll touch base with you every so often. Um, you know, that would be, uh, I know that that would be very appreciated all right number 10 is hurricane veteran here each storm is unique but the main thing is to pay attention before everyone else does that means at least five days in advance having everything in place so that all you have to concentrate on is securing your home also knowing in advance if you will stay or go and leaving before they tell you to don't forget oil chainsaw generator a new chain for chainsaws all of which you should have anyway but most don't replace and well just making sure you have two to three weeks of supplies in place or being on your own after several east coast hurricanes it took weeks for stores to be back up and running even 100 miles outside of the strike zone oh tarps and bug spray i am not a bug out person can't really because of animal obligations 15 dogs chickens etc so i have plenty of crates kennels and such for them to come in oh yeah baby uh done it before <laughs> so 15 dogs i don't know if it if, if it's 15 dogs or total of 15 animals like 15 dogs and some chickens and some whatever 15 dogs would be man that'd be a lot, a lot. number 11 
also butane and I'm not I'm not sure what they're saying here so maybe you can help me out um, also a butane burner is great like a demo chef at a restaurant they can be used indoors not expensive and easy to load at Sam's in many places $22 and a case of fuel like hairspray cans $12 I'm not exactly sure what they're talking about I don't know if they're talking about maybe like a camp stove with the little cylinders um, you know, th those are propane, so they're not butane. I don't know about a butane burner. I'm not really sure about that one. But uh, anyway, if you know what they're talking about, let me know. Leave it leave it in the comment section so I can get an idea. Um, you know, one of the other things that we do, well, we do a lot of, uh, you know, with church events and, and we have people over the home for whatever we, you know, we have um, holidays like Mother's Day and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we use those little burners that you put underneath the uh, like sternos or whatever and you can buy them at sam's and they get really really hot and they get the pans they keep the pans warm uh, i mean i guess you could use those too but i don't know what she's talking about as far as butane burners all right number 12 around here we don't have to worry about water surging in from the coast but winds can be an issue when a hurricane comes we usually tape the windows in an x or asterisk shape People close to the water board up their windows, maybe sandbags around their house. All other preps are the same. Be ready to leave in advance of the storm if it looks like it's going to make landfall close to home. Number 13, make sure you know all of the available evacuation routes in your area. The main roads and highways will be delayed due to uh, heavy traffic flow, so you will want to plan multiple alternate routes in order to ensure that you are not trapped in a flood while attempting to flee the storm. Number 14, everyone should have these in their EDC, Bob, in a Ziploc freezer bag or waterproof sleeve. Keep a family picture, copies of your and your children's birth certificates. Parents, grandparents, guardians, siblings should have a clear picture of children they may have to claim because you were not together when a problem occurs. Hopefully, this wouldn't be necessary for an evacuation type scenario, but you just never know. No telling who would be in charge when you arrive to pick up kids. It could be teachers, leaders that don't know you personally or outside from DHS, law enforcement, TSA. Heaven forbid, there's, there are no guarantees with anything anymore. I'm sure you can add to the list copies of your vehicle title, home title, things that are irreplaceable. You don't want to get too bogged down, but it is, your, it is ultimately important to you. You may someday need proof that it is yours. A flash drive is a great idea, but in an extended power outage or like EMP or SHTF, you won't be able to show someone the kid is mine. Hey, uh, I want to add, because as, as I was reading that, I just remembered uh, another thing that I read a while back. Um, people that were going back to property um, that was a little bit more rural setting, uh, they were having to prove that they actually owned it because there was a lot of, you know, you have a lot of uh, acreage to cover. And so uh, people were going in there and looting homes that uh, people were coming back to. So uh, authorities were, you know, in the main uh, branches of you know arteries of, of roads and stuff and they were only letting people through that had proof that they lived wherever they lived and if it came down to it uh, you know you needed to show proof of like uh, you you own the house or whatever and you had to be either on a lease or so what I'm saying is if you had members living with you and they were coming from different areas or whatever, and they weren't on a lease or couldn't prove a mortgage or something like that, maybe their driver's license didn't have the address uh, for whatever reason, 
they weren't allowing them in there. So that's something to always kind of keep, uh, uh, to always remember. And like I said the other day, you can go to edthatmatters.com and on the right-hand side, you can register to uh, for the email list there. And uh, you will get a free PDF download that you can type in all kinds of information and then print it out. It's nice and neat, and you can fold it up and give it to family members or, or laminate it or whatever you want to do. But it, you can, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a place where you can put all kinds of phone numbers and information and things like that. So your family, family members will have it very easily. Nowadays, people don't know phone numbers just because we have them all on our cell phones, right? All right, continuing on. Number 15. Not sure if this was mentioned already, but have at least one or two pics of you and your pets together. This will go a long way towards proving ownership should you and your fur babies get separated. That's a good one. Number 16. After making it through Hurricane Matthew, flooding a week without electricity and two weeks without water, I revised my prep slightly and have three major priorities here. A lot more water needed to drink, cook, wash, and flush extra fuel for cooking, and multiple cooking types. We have a propane grill and a fire pit, but after a flooding, everything too wet. So I, I think there's some words that are missing, but I guess they were saying after the flooding, everything was too wet. And non-kerosene lamps, after two nights cooped up and unable to ventilate, the fumes get to you. So definitely uh, some solar charging lights or lanterns would be good there. Number 17, put as much as you can in plastic tubs, especially shoes. Came back after Rita and had a tree through my house. Went right through my closet. No shoes, actually very little of anything. So put as much in plastic tubs as you can. Forget the furniture, appliances, they can be replaced. Number 18, in case it helps, everyone is welcome to download the hurricane and evacuation topics and some others in PDF from our preparedness book. And that's Janet... Uh, Leibnick, I'm not very sure how to pronounce her last name. Um, I did purchase, when I first got into preparedness, they do have a manual uh, preparedness book. I did buy it for every every member of our church back in the day. Um, and so you can go, and, and uh, it's really, really good put together. So uh, that's another free PDF for you, uh, two in one week, right? Number 19, it's very wise to... It's very wise to unpack your bob every three months or so, minimum once or twice a year. It helps to be sure what is in there. Items you decide you don't really need, and more importantly, items you may not have and really should have. Wait. It's also important to put those suckers on and see if you can actually carry it. Better yet, we need to be walking with them on. Physical fitness should be one of our number one preparedness priorities, as I point out, point a finger at myself. Number 20. Prepare to defend your home at all costs. You don't know how long the grid will be down and there will be looters. It definitely was looters in uh, Katrina, right? We all see, we all remember those pictures, that video. These pieces of advice are all from those who have lived through this ordeal. They share their stories because they want to help others prepare and get ready. Listen to them. If you need a guide to help you in your preparations, consider the Prepper's Blueprint to get you to get you disaster ready step by step. Do not wait until the last minute to prepare or the items you need to live through. This ordeal will be limited. If you live in a highly populated area, understand that resources will diminish quickly, so preparing beforehand can circumvent this. You can always start out with these basic preparedness items to get through a disaster. Food and alternate ways to cook food. Water, one gallon per person per day for consuming only. Plan more for sanitary needs. Fuel for generators, also consider charcoal for outdoors. 
outdoor grills, batteries and battery chargers, flashlights and lanterns, generator, emergency lighting, ice, medical supplies, item for baby needs, sanitation supplies. Ultimately, you are the only one who can best care for your family. Having a stash of your family favorites, cans or dry goods, a supply of water, and a simple medical kit can maintain your basic needs for a short-lived disaster. This simple preparedness supply could set you apart from the unprepared. If you live in an area prone to hurricanes, now is the time to prepare. Listen to the advice of your fellow man. The only thing that I would add to that list there, or or one of the things that I would add to that list, is having a radio, having uh, an AM, FM, uh, you know, one that has NOAA uh, on there. Uh, If, you know, you have a ham radio as well. Uh, a Balfung, you know, having it, you can program the Balfung to your local channels. It's not very hard to do. And uh, so you'll have that as, as well. Like I said, during Hurricane Ike, uh, it was great to be able to access, um, uh, you know, access information just because you could hear things that were going on. I think I had, that was before all the, the TV channels went uh, digital. And so I had one of those small little TVs. I I was given one of those for a long a long time ago, and uh, I bought got some batteries for it, and I uh, was able to watch news accounts and and things like that. But as well as radio, and so now I'd be a, I'd be a lot more prepared than I would have been for Ike. But uh, having one of those uh, solar crank radios, NOAA radios that handle all that, I think is very very important. I'm going to link to one that I have myself. I'll link to that at Prepper website or um, at Prepper the Prepper website podcast.com. If uh, if you're looking for a good one, all right. So let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, I'll I will say this after the article tests linked to a bunch of different articles. Uh, she's saying additional reading. So there's um, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven articles in preparation, seven in supplies, medical needs, communication, sanitation, evacuation. So there's a lot more links there. And then all throughout the, uh, the article, there's links. So like always, you want to go visit the site. Um, this one comes to us from the next one from planandprepared.com. This one is nine firearm training tips to help you survive a deadly encounter. Uh, James is, um, he's a, a police officer. He's a, a former survival instructor and a police officer. So, you know, it's interesting to hear his take on firearms training. So let's go ahead and read this one. A while back, I received an email from a guy asking me my opinions on various firearms. The guy had some money to spend and wanted to know what sort of rifle he should buy. He said he was new to rifles and was asking for my insight. His budget was on the higher end between 1500 to 2000 according to his email. My response may have caught him off guard. I told the man not to spend more than 1000 on the rifle. I talked about a few solid rifles that were under 1000 Then I told him to take the rest of the money and spend it on training. Getting several magazines and ammo as well is something I stressed. I explained that a $1,000 or less rifle in the hands of a trained shooter is head and shoulders better than a $2,000 rifle in the hands of a novice. The shooter makes the rifle. The rifle doesn't make the shooter. When it comes to firearm training, there are many reputable instructors out there. They can give you a one-day, two-day, or even longer class to teach you more than just the fundamentals of shooting. However, many of these classes can be pretty pricey, costing hundreds of dollars or more. That doesn't include any travel expenses, the cost of providing your own ammo, etc. So for many people, the ability to take classes like these may be cost prohibitive. However, that does not mean you cannot train on your own. 
I have advocated multiple times on this site the importance of firearm training. Unlike riding a bike, firearm skills can go rusty. If you do not do it regularly, in addition, simply shooting at paper targets three to seven yards away is great for beginners, but just like any other skill, you need to push yourself for that skill to improve. So with that in mind, I thought I would take a look at some training tips that can help you be more prepared should you ever have to encounter where you have should you ever have an encounter where you have to use lethal force to protect yourself or your family. Number one, practice shooting from both the left and right barricade positions. When shooting from the weak side, you will quickly learn whether you prefer to shoot with their weak with the weak hand or modify the stance and shoot with the strong hand from the weak side. Do this with both handguns you own as well as long guns. Keep in mind that the recoil of a 12-gauge shotgun will be different from that of an AR-15, so be sure to practice with this both if you own them. Number two, practice from several different shooting positions. This includes standing, kneeling, and prone positions. You might square off against your paper targets at a 3-7 to seven yard, but in a real-life situation, it doesn't work that way. If you can practice shooting from a sitting position, do that as well. You could be seated in a restaurant or in your car when a deadly encounter occurs. So the more ways you can simulate this in practice, the better off you will be. Number three, get your heart rate up to simulate an adrenaline dump. Do things like running, push-ups, etc. prior to shooting. Sprinting 50 yards is going to have a huge effect on your steady aim. And in reality, in a real-life situation, your heart rate will probably be running a mile a minute. So practice with this in mind. Vary your course of fire. Try shooting two to the chest and one to the head as quickly as you can. Then try three shots center mass in two seconds. Maybe try this at, at the one-foot line and then at the ten-yard line when you find yourself becoming comfortable with a course of fire. Change it to something else. Vary the number of rounds, the amount of time, and the distance to the target. Number five, weak-handed shooting, also known as offhand, should be part of your training. This is different than the barricaded positions I talked about in number one. What happens if you receive a severe injury to your gun hand or gun arm? Being able to switch hands could save your life. Practice with your weak hand. This includes with long guns as well. As you grow more confident with your offhand, begin using these tips with it as well. Number six, it was always high noon in the movies when the showdown occurred, but that doesn't mean you might not find yourself in a deadly encounter at night. So practice shooting in low light conditions. I have a Streamlight TLR1 300 lumens light on my primary sidearm. Number seven, practice firing while on the move. This is one of the most difficult skills to master, but it is so important. Stationary targets are sitting ducks, so moving while shooting could save your life. I'll admit I still struggle with this, but I practice this more and more. I found an outdoor range that I can do things like this, and so I do it often. Number eight, practice with malfunction drills as well. For example, randomly load a few dummy rounds in your magazine before shooting. Then see how well you can implement the tap, rack, and bang method of clearing a malfunction. This adds some stress, making concentration paramount. It also shows you when you are jerking the trigger. I have a video that goes into more detail on malfunction drills at the end of this article. Number nine, dry fire. I have a laser light laser trainer cartridge I use at least once a week. These come in most standard handgun calibers and will work in any semi-auto pistol in the same caliber. These are great for trigger control and sight alignment practice. 
It has certain, certainly helped me. Click the link for more details on this. I've talked before about the importance of practice. A high-end firearm doesn't mean anything if you don't put it in the range time to become at least proficient with it. As preppers, I would encourage you to go beyond proficient and become an expert with it. If you have other prepping firearm training tips, please leave them in the comments section below. And like I said, there is a, a video here that you're going to want to go check out here at planandprepared.com. I'm going to link to it in the show notes of episode number 60. You definitely want to go check that one out. Okay, since it's Friday, um, I normally go in and pull an article from uh, one of the archives or the archives on, on Prepper website. And, uh, you know, recently because of the things going on in Korea and the possibility, you know, people are talking about EMPs and stuff like that. I was thinking about an article that I wrote a long time ago. Actually, I wrote it pre-Prepper website. Uh, it was one of those that I submitted to... Um, you know, these websites that have uh, uh, article contests and stuff like that. And I submitted it to Modern Survival Online back when uh, John Rourke owned it. And um, so it was a guest post. And the title of the, the post was A Prepper's Nightmare. And uh, I, I didn't win. I won an, auto, uh, an honorable mention, I think. So I think I, I received a book or something. Uh, but uh, I thought it was a really good article. It was a different article. But again, this was pre-prepper website, uh, and so I was in. I was getting into preparedness, and uh, I was dabbling in writing a little bit. But I, I didn't have the website yet. So uh, this is a different kind of take, or at least coming from an educator's uh, mindset when an EMP hits. And so this was my my nightmare, my prepper's nightmare. So let me go ahead and start reading this one. Uh, again, from Modern Survival Online, A Prepper's Nightmare. Any prepper worth their weight will scenario plan. Mental rehearsal is important. As an educator, I have studied brain-based research as it pertains to education. In my studies, I have learned that the brain doesn't distinguish between reality and imagination. If you doubt this, recall the last time you had a nightmare. You most likely woke up sweating and your heart beating fast. It was only when your brain entered the fight-or-flight response that you woke up and realized you weren't in your dream scenario. If your imagination can seem so real in your dreams, it can be helpful for scenario planning or mental rehearsing. A scene over and over so you can be comfortable to react in a survival situation. Let me just add, uh, if you ever watch the Olympics uh, you, you've watched people, especially like on the Winter Olympics, when people are like doing the downhill skiing or even they're doing their, um, they have the floor exercises and stuff. You kind of see them, they have their eyes closed and even on the, the people that are doing the downhill skiing, you will see them kind of like leaning into turns and stuff. That's because they're imagining themselves, you know, going down the hill and they're remembering the turns. Same thing for people that are, you know, doing flips off the diving board or doing their, their routines. They're imagining themselves doing their routine over and over and over again. So continuing on. I have mentally rehearsed many survival scenarios, and all these scenarios I would love to be in my home when it all hits the fan, but that would be too easy. In reality, I realize I won't have the luxury of deciding where I would be when the poop hits the fan, and that is the reason why I mentally rehearse my worst-case scenario situation. I am an elementary school administrator. 
When I think of scenarios being at the school with hundreds of 5 to 10 year olds, and I mean hundreds as in closer to 1,000, is a scary thought. On one hand, I have three kids of my own, and on the other hand, I'll be partially responsible for a bunch of kids and staff. Now, if by a survival scenario, I mean hurricane, survival storm, or I'm sorry, severe storm, economic collapse, terrorist threat, or something like that, I will truly breathe easier. All these scenarios wouldn't be fun, but those wouldn't be my nightmare scenario, not by far. My worst nightmare scenario would be an EMP at school on a school day with a bunch of kids. I know what I would do if I was anywhere other than the school on a school day. The minute I realized all electronics were fried, I would grab my get home bag and huff it home and hunker down. I would do this while everyone else is looking at each other trying to find out what just happened. So I would do something different now, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about that at the very end. Uh, but back to the nightmare. The school is out in the suburbs of a big metroplex. Parents work all over the place. Even if they could get a grip on what happened and weren't waiting around for the power, quote-unquote power, to come back on, it would take hours, long precious hours for them to get back to the neighborhood and school. And that is a best-case scenario. What, what am I going to do with all these kids? The district isn't prepared for this. I had a chance to talk to the head of security for the district a while back. I casually asked about standard operating procedures for emergency situations. He mentioned that the district and each school have plans in case of emergencies. I know the handbook that he is talking about. It deals with hurricanes, tornadoes, lockdowns, etc. The fact is there's no plan for an EMP. Let's say that I still have kids a couple of days into the scenario. My school is an affluent neighborhood. However, a few miles down the road, the demographic changes drastically. Because I have attended meetings that de detail gang activity in our district, I know what they have, that they have guns. What is, going, what is going to happen after a few days when there is no electricity, no food for those who haven't prepared, and no water because the pumps aren't working? They are going to move towards the more affluent neighborhoods looking for what they don't have. So what am I going to do? I got into elementary education for a reason. I care about kids. That coupled with my Christian faith pretty much means that I can't just leave these kids to fend for themselves. I would have to stay until students got home. My family knows to make it home and hunker down until I get there. What can parents do to prepare for this worst case scenario or something like it? Number one, ask a trusted stay-at-home mom or neighbor if you can add them to your child's emergency contact list allowing them to pick your child up from school in case of an emergency. Most schools have backup paper copies of emergency contacts in case computers are down. If you get caught far from home, at least you will know that your child is picked up from school and with a trusted neighbor. This will take a little bit of stress off your mind as you make it back home. Number two, teach your kids how to walk home from school. What if the administrators at your child's school freak out and leave all the kids by themselves as they make it back to their homes or child's school to pick them up? Kids today are playing too many electronic games or texting. They are not paying attention out the car window and have no sense of which way to go home. Also, many sh make, also make sure they know how to get in the house if you are not there. Number three, teach your kids the signs of an EMP attack. Of course, I wouldn't go into the whole end of the world as we know it speech, but I would make sure that they know that if all electronics are not working, lights, cell phones, electronic games, etc., that it is an emergency and they need to get home. Be careful to distinguish between a storm kicking off the power and every electronic device being down. 
I believe average third and fifth graders could third to fifth graders could understand this, and some of your more gifted younger students can understand it too. Number four, ask an administrator about what would happen in a scenario like this. You would need to know that administrator very well so that you are not labeled a kook, or blame an article that someone passed along to you about schools during an EMP attack and that it got you thinking. At least it might get the conversation started. So especially with uh, the talk in, in, in the news about... Uh, North Korea and EMP and stuff like that, you know, it's not too far-fetched to uh, to kind of bring it up. It's like, hey, I just heard, you know, about the, about an EMP and maybe possibly the guy in North Korea and, you know, an EMP would just kind of knock out all electronics. What what would the school do in a situation like that? I'm just curious. I was thinking about it, you know, and you approach it that way and see, you know, most school administrators, I can tell you right now, are not even going to know what an EMP is. They're going to have no idea. They're, they're going to tell you, we're just going to wait around until the district comes around and tells us what to do. And like, no, 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 you don't understand. Cars aren't working. Phones aren't working. Cell phones aren't working. They're not coming back on. So you might need to do a little education on that one. Uh, if you're willing to do that. Number five, lastly, mentally rehearse your plan for yourself and your family in this or any other survival situation. Knowing what you would do in a given situation might give you the edge to survive and save your loved ones. I truly hope that this nation never suffers an EMP attack, but I don't want to be caught unaware and uninformed. Thinking through scenarios like this is a worthy task. It is even worth it to talk through some of your scenarios with trusted friends. They might see something that you don't or vice versa. Any time spent on walking through imagining scenarios will pay off with an instant plan and would do and what to do if it ever was needed. All right. So um, let me go ahead and talk a little bit about teaching your kids, you know, to, uh, or what to do. So my kids know um, my kids, my kids know that. Uh, if they're in a situation like that, because we've already talked about it before, where the lights go out and the cell phones aren't working and you know all electronics are, are, are out, no matter what they are doing to just to get home, to start to just you know pick up some water if you have some water around, get some water and start walking home, uh, you know as soon as you can, not to wait around, not to talk with people, just get home because everyone will meet up here at the house, and uh, so that's pretty important there. Um, I, I even told them that if you are in a school and this has happened and you realize all electronics are down, not just that the power has gone out, but let's say all, you know, your phone is completely dead and, you know, nothing is working, then you, you have permission just to walk out of that classroom no matter what the teacher tells you. I also gave them permission that if there was uh, an active shooter situation, that they were allowed to get up and run. So um, before in the past, it was always like a lockdown. I know I'm going off of the, what the article is saying. But uh, before, uh, it, when schools would have a lockdown, it was always lock the doors and go hide. And now everyone, the, the common the common theme is uh, run, hide, fight. You know, So the first thing is run. And if you can, run, get out of there, get out of there as fast as you can. Don't, you know, even if a teacher is saying, hey, come over here and hide in this closet or whatever, that's what I always told my kids is like, you need to run and get out of there. Yes, that could be dangerous if, if, 
cops are around and you know they're looking for weird things happening uh, yes you could run into a shooter possibly but the idea is to run away from any kind of shots like that um, the point is just not to just be a, uh, you know like a sitting duck and I think that's what so many people uh, wind up doing just because of fear and, and all that but anyway I wasn't even planning on talking about that um, there was one more thing that I wanted to touch on here about an EMP before I close it down. So in um, in the article, I say that I would get home and, and I would hunker down. And I've mentioned this uh, this week already, I think. Uh, I, I would not hunker down right away. I would come home. And of course, you know, we would be setting up and, and getting, you know, whatever we needed together, our preps together. But what I would be doing is I would be canvassing the neighborhood and getting my neighbors, as many neighbors as, as were around, and, and saying, hey, we're going to meet over here at this corner uh, in an hour or two hours. Come because we're going to talk about what this situation, what situation is going on and what, how we need to handle this because this is a very, very serious situation. And so I would start getting that community, that neighborhood buy-in and letting people know uh, that, you know, hey, this is, we, we've had an EMP and our lives are completely changed and now we need to start really thinking about how we're going to handle things here in this neighborhood. So we need to start talking about sanitation. We need to, you know, you can't be flushing your toilets because as you flush your toilets, eventually this going to start coming and running back into the house, right? Uh, I do talk a little bit about that in the sanitation part of the free e-course when you sign up for uh, the new prepper website newsletter and you can you know you can get that on all the the different websites on prepper website podcast on ed that matters and on prepper website um, they all feed into the same newsletter so i do talk a little bit about what you could possibly do to help Santa, uh, help sewage not come back into your house but anyway that's what I would be doing, uh, you know, gathering my neighbors and talking about, hey, we need to set up some defensive situations. You know, we need to start doing a neighborhood watch, whatever. You know, those of you that are armed, you need to start, you have firearms, you need to go ahead and, uh, uh, you know, be prepared and start carrying your firearm, be ready. And, and just talking through all of this and, and helping people to understand uh, you know where we're at in the situation because at EMP the lights aren't coming you know so the the electricity or the power company is not coming around to to get everything set up right away so uh, that's what uh, that's what I would be doing that that would be the big change there in hunkering down I'm no longer a, a campus administrator I'm at the district office so uh, but you know this is still a situation that you got to think about you don't you you don't really think about man you know when it, when the disaster happens. Where, where are things? We always like to think we're going to be in our home. That would be perfect scenario, right? Or we'll be in our bug out location. But no, man, I mean, you might be, you know, downtown, like a parent might be downtown, working downtown and trying to get to the suburbs. You know, they would be huffing it all the way through. And that's if they realized what was going on and needed to get back to their family. So something to think about and definitely don't want to, uh, don't want to ruin your weekend having you think about all this kind of stuff. But the idea behind it is to have a plan and, you know, talk to your kids. If you have kids, talk to your grandkids, talk to your old, you know, adult kids if you have them. Hey, have you ever thought about this? And right now is a perfect time because you can bring up the, the you know, the crazy little man in North Korea and you can talk about that and, uh, you know, use that as a point of contact uh, talking about an EMP. 
you can bring up different shows uh, like uh, Jericho and you know bring bring that up and, and if people needed something to to watch and, and anything uh, a reference like that. But anyway, all right, so that's it for episode 60. Uh, we've had a, a big week, man. A lot of great articles, um, you know, a lot of good information. So I appreciate all of you that are coming and sharing out um, the episodes and sharing out the website uh, with everyone, the podcast. I do appreciate those of you that are um, going out and reviewing um, on the different podcast networks. That's always, always very, very helpful. I do uh, greatly appreciate that. If you get a chance, come out and uh, to the website and hit me, you know, leave a comment or hit me up on one of the social media accounts, uh, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. I love to always hear from you. And, uh, you know, come, come to the free Facebook group too. We got a lot, you know, that's starting to grow. And, um, you know, that's having some conversations over there. So I think that's always good uh, to uh, be able to connect with people in that way as well. All right, so that's it. Don't forget to go check out Preppers University and that webinar with Selco. I hope you have a good weekend. I hope you have a little bit of time to get out there and uh, maybe get some dirt time or uh, just enjoy the fresh air. Hopefully, you know, you have an opportunity to go and enjoy nature just a little bit um, uh, for yourself out there this weekend. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.